You're listening to a live recording from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. Thanks for joining us. As far back as I can remember, I, I've always wanted to be like Jesus. I know that sounds super religious and look at me. <laughs> I didn't say I arrived at, what, at being like Jesus, just that I wanted to be like Jesus. Um, I remember as a young boy growing up in the church, I imagined walking with Jesus and trying to emulate his thoughts, uh, his actions, his body language, his feelings, um, his rhythms. Um, the whole not thin- sinning thing, you know, about Jesus seemed, seemed possible, actually, at that time. And, uh, and then I became a teenager. And I had all of these passions and desires that the church told me were inappropriate. And that my body uh, could actually become a tool of the devil. And so I ended up growing up thinking the body was evil. Certainly against the way of Jesus. I don't believe that anymore. And I do believe because our bodies are always with us, they play a huge part in us becoming more like Jesus. They can either support that process or often in my life get in the way of that process. And, that, and that's really the problem, isn't it? For most of us, including me, the body, not the inner self, governs our lives. It's in the driver's seat. Uh, rather than mind over body, it's body over everything else. And it's, it's not actually how God created us to thrive. I love what Dallas Willard, uh, who wrote Renovation of the Heart, the speakers have been kind of using that book as, as, um, as information for this, this series we're in about um, spiritual formation. And he wrote these words about the human body. He, he, wrote, he wrote, the human body is betrayed in its own nature when it is made central to human life. It is created for spiritual life in the kingdom of God and to be honored Indeed, glorified in that context. But when taken out of that context and made the central focus of human experience and endeavor, it is betrayed, robbed of the spiritual resources meant to sustain its life and proper functioning. And in turn, it then betrays those who center their lives on it. Let me ask you, have you ever said something you regret it. Ever? Anybody? Have you ever ate something you regretted? Or drank a little bit more than you should have? Anyone? No, don't, don't raise your hand. Have you ever looked at something you knew you should not have looked at? We all have done these things. If you've ever said, I lost my temper, then you understand the power the body has to govern our lives. Uh, one person, someone once said that the tongue is the last bodily part to submit to goodness and rightness. And I don't think he was wrong. But do you know that the body is not evil? As maybe you've heard in, from a pulpit in your life before, it's not. God created it. God fashioned it. He shaped it. It is not evil. Some early church uh, uh, followers of Christ actually spread this lie that it was, that the body was evil and therefore Christ could not have been fully human. 
And uh, it, was a, it was a common heresy uh, in the early beginnings of the church. Others um, tried to literally whip their body into submission um, because they felt like it was evil. And these are distortions, I hope you know that, of the reality that the body does desire to be in control. It does desire for that. that there's, this, there's something innate in us. It wants to be in charge, but, but it can fool us into thinking that it wasn't meant as a beautiful complement to our spirit, and it is. The bo- God created the body to be used for his goodness. See, see, we know that the body, it can't be all evil, right? Because how, how could the body, if it was evil, be capable of such deeply spiritual acts as allowing the words from our mouth to encourage and build up another soul? How could the body be evil if these hands and these feet could be used to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, to serve the poor and the hurting and the weak? How how could that, those things come from an evil body, right? So we know there's something, we know that the body isn't evil. So how do we keep it though, supporting rather than dismantling our spiritual lives. So I want us to look at a couple of passages that the Apostle Paul wrote. If you have a Bible, you can follow along in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And it's interesting, before we get to these passages, there's kind of two general groups of people that Paul wrote to. Uh, in the church in Corinth, the church in Rome, the church in Ephesus. These churches were made up of these two groups. One group were, were Jewish um, converts to Christianity. And when it came to the body, they had a long list, very rigid list of how the body should be used and should not be used. Um, strict regulations regarding the use of the body. And so they're coming out of that context into this church. But the second, there's this other group though, who were pagans who came to Christ and they had No limitations on the use of their body prior to knowing Jesus. So you got these two different groups in the church. And and Paul's trying to help them see how does the way of Jesus inform the use or misuse of our bodies. Um, Both from from both perspectives. Because both, by the way, um, can misuse their bodies. Legalism or just, hey, anything goes. Right? And so this is what Paul is trying to do in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, when he writes, all things are lawful for me. That, man, I could spend a long time just kind of ta- unpacking that, like, come on. The Jewish audience that heard this would be like, uh, that's not true. There's a lot that is not lawful for me. I got the list. The, 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 the synagogue rabbi passed it out last week. Right? So they had this list. And so Paul's coming in and saying, listen, all things are lawful for me. He's challenging this idea that the Jewish people would have brought in. But then he says, but not all things are helpful. What Paul's doing is he's, he's taking out the use. He's, he's, he's reconverting the use of how we think about our body from what's right and wrong, which is what we generally in the church think about, to what is helpful or not helpful. 
This is actually language we're using in discipling younger people because, because when we say, um, when they ask about um, any, just pick any issue with your body, um, sex before marriage, um, and they'll go like, why should, why can't I do that? And, and if you say, well, it's wrong, <laughs> they look at you like, okay, what planet did you just come from? You know, or if you say, oh, the Bible says it's, the Bible says it's, they'll be like, oh, come on. But if you say it's not, it's not helpful for you, it's not good for you. They lean in and they go like, okay, talk to me about that. Why is it? Because they're interested in, in what's helpful for them. And so Paul is actually changing the language here as we think about how, how, to use, how to use the body. Not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, he says it again. But I will not be dominated by anything. And here's a central point. He's saying, I'm not going to, we, we shouldn't allow the body to dictate life. It should not be at the center of our universe. We should not be dominated by it. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. This, he's speaking directly to the pagan converts. Like this, is, you, this was your life. You lived this way and, 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 and there was no real rules in the way that you lived sexually. And Paul's saying, listen, that, that we, we shouldn't do that we should, because our bodies are not our own, he actually says, right? Because God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? So what Paul is doing is he keeps raising the value of the body rather than diminishing. See, culture would like to say... Um, the body is important, but it's not, it's not so important that it really matters what you do with it, as long as you don't hurt anybody else with it. And Paul is saying, wait, 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 as Christ followers, this idea that our bodies, our actual bodies are members with Christ. Shall I then take that member of Christ and make them a member of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that, the, that, that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? Again, it's not about what's right and wrong. It's about what's good, helpful, beneficial. For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. And then this is, he just, Paul just takes it another step up in terms of the value of the body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Now I'm gonna stop right here for just a moment because I can already feel the shame coming into the room because of things that you maybe have heard preachers use this passage and you start to feel bad about, we start to feel bad about ourselves, we start to feel bad about our past, we start to realize that we haven't lived up to this and we allow the enemy to start bringing shame into our lives because we're not living this ideal that Paul is talking about. And rather than allowing shame, would you just, just push that to the side and go like, wait a second. Did Paul just say that this body is a temple? This body holds the Holy Spirit, that this body is part of, not separate from my spiritual development and growth, that it can actually connect to that? That's amazing. That's incredible. That this is the temple of the Holy Spirit whom you have from God. You are not your own for you were bought with a price. So glorify God where? 
in your body. Let your body display the goodness of God. Let it, let it represent what God is doing in you internally. But there's a tension, isn't there, in all of this? Because we know it doesn't. We know we struggle with this. And so Paul says to the Romans in Romans chapter 7, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. <laughs> Good, we don't have to take responsibility. I love that actually. That's awesome. Yo, it's not me. It's that sin thing. I can't get away from it. But he's, he's, he's letting us know there's a tension in this. He's not just trying to say, hey, come on, what's wrong with you? Start, start doing what you're supposed to be doing. No, he's like, listen, we're, we live in this place of tension between what Paul says in, to the church in Corinth with what he says here in Romans. You've probably heard the saying, um, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Have you, have you heard that saying? Little, let's do a little Bible trivia. If I was in Sunday school with your kids, I would ask them, who do you guys think said that? And they would say, Jesus, because they're in church. And they would not be wrong. Jesus did say that. But here's the harder question I would ask them. Does anyone know where Jesus said that? I'm asking. In the garden. Very good. Gold cross sticker for you. Awesome. Yeah, Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, this, and, the, and the context is that he was about to go to his death. He was trying to uh, get his disciples to pray with him, um, his friends to pray with him. And so he says, sit here and pray. And he goes a little distance away and he begins to pray. He comes back and he finds his disciples doing what? Sleeping, right? You all know the story, right? And, and he's like, oh, you guys, wake up. Can you please pray with me? And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. We got, yeah, we got this, Jesus. We got you. We got your back. <laughs> and so he goes back. He, they come back. He comes back again a few minutes later. And what are they doing again? They're sleeping still. And then he says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus, even Jesus acknowledged this tension. Even Jesus acknowledged, listen, I know that there's things in your spirit because you're wanting to grow in Christ, because you're aligning your mind and your thoughts and your will to God's, that because of that, there are going to be things that you know you should do. And there, and there will be times that you do those things. But then there will be times where the flesh is weak and you're not able to do. So Jesus is saying, listen, but he's not letting this off the hook either. He's not saying, well, that's just the way it is. So don't even try. He doesn't do that because he knows the potential that our bodies have for helping us grow closer to Christ. And if our bodies are not part of that process, then we never can fully become into, be formed into the image of God. Because what's being formed inside will always be revealed outside. And as we're being formed inside, God wants our bodies to align themselves with what's happening internally. So how do we do this? Well, I'm glad you came today because I have a formula for you. <laughs> no, it's not a formula. I don't have a formula. I do have three practices that I believe that if we begin to implement these things day in and day out in our lives, we begin to think differently about this, that I think you'll begin to see transformation happen in your body over time. You'll begin to see that, that over time, you begin to align your, the actions of your body, the, the things that you do with your body more and more with the way of Jesus. And so I want to give you these 
three practices. So when Jesus does ask us to stay up and pray, your body, your body doesn't get in the way, but not only that, it actually reinforces the desire of your spirit. All right, so here's the first practice. If you're taking notes, write this down. Set apart your body for God. Set apart your body for God. Sounds strange, I know, but this is really important. Paul uh, wrote to the Romans in Romans 12, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. This image of uh, submitting your bodies, presenting your bodies to God as a living sacrifice is intriguing. Uh, one person said after the last service, the f funny thing about living sacrifices is they, that they can choose to get up off the altar <laughs> and not sacrifice themselves. I actually love that about humanity. We get to decide. We get to choose. But this choosing of daily presenting our bodies to God. Here's my body, God. It's not my own. I know I can do with it what I want. You've given me that. You've given me oversight of it. But as a Christ follower, I want to turn around and give it to you. Well, what does that mean? Simple things. Every once in a while, you might see someone here in this building during the church service raise their hands or even kneel, um, maybe even dance. Whoa, let's not get too crazy around here, <laughs> right? You know what the word worship, actually one of the meanings is to lay down. I mean, there's this physical, it's actually the word worship is a physical demonstration. It's, a, it's saying, God, this, I'm aligning during worship. I'm aligning my body to my spirit. What my spirit is saying about you, I am, I am expressing that physically. My body is a living sacrifice of praise to you. A few weeks ago, we were singing uh, about the resurrection. I was sitting over here in the front row and, and, uh, and out of the core of my being, I mean, I could start to feel it right here. And we were singing this song about God, Jesus coming back from the dead. And I mean, it was just like, I knew I was gonna shout. I just knew it. And part of me was hoping, I hope other people do it with me. <laughs> You know, and it just, it just, it just started, it just boiled up and, and there was this moment like, yeah, you know, I was the only one that did it, but <laughs> so it was awkward, but there was another guy somewhere in the back. This is kind of like got into it with me a little bit, but it was just this, I didn't do it for you, by the way. It was, it was an expression, but what do we typically do with our bodies? We push it down. We say, uh, decorum, we're in public. It reminds me of what King David, who was allowing himself, his body to fully express uh, his gratitude to God for delivering the people of Israel. And he ends up dancing in the streets with very little on, like shorts. That's about it. I mean, that's the flannel picture I got in my Sunday school class. Doesn't got a lot on. And he is dancing. I think it's his wife who rebukes him. If you remember the story, like, David, put something on. You know, that's my translation. And, and, uh, and, he, and what does he say? I will be even more undignified than this. 
because he was, he was allowing his body to fully express what God was doing internally. Now, no, 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 no. God is not asking you to dance naked at church. I know he's not. <laughs> but the idea here is that we, let's set apart our bodies for God. Let them speak. Let them shout. Let them dance. Let them praise. Let them, be, let them externally express the internal work that God is doing. And uh, it's so important to set apart our bodies for God. Let them be an expression of, of sacrifice, a sacrifice of praise to God in different ways. Set apart your body for God. Here's the second one that's, that will make sense, but it's super hard. Don't idolize the body. Now, this, this, it means to give, right? Idolizing means to give something more attention uh, to it than other things. And this might prove to be actually the most difficult practice of the three because it's the most obvious. And it's our culture has spent decades telling us how important our bodies are. And you've already heard, I'm not trying to minimize our bodies in the least. I'm trying to raise the value of them. But we, we, our culture says there's a way to, the proper way to look at our body or the proper way our body should look and should act. And we have to break out of this because we, we need to be informed by how God sees our bodies, not by how the world sees our bodies. Um, last year, uh, last year I was in Orlando. I'm not sure about this story, by the way, but um, it's one of those things. It happens every once in a while. Anyway, um, I was in Orlando last year, and um, I'm in these meetings, four square meetings of the board. And so I'm, I'm in kind of a formal business attire. And uh, Casey Parnell, some of you know Casey. He was on staff here for years. Uh, leads worship still occasionally. He, passed, he does worship up in Beaverton now, at Beaverton Four Square Church, part of our denomination, um, with a guy named Brad. Brad was happened to be there too. So um, I wanted to connect with Casey after this session. He wasn't there, so I didn't get to see him. And so I called him up and said, hey, Casey, let's grab dinner. He said, great, I'm at the pool. Meet me there. And I'm like, okay. So I come down with my bag and my you know, formal outfit. And Brad and Casey have been sitting by the pool. And um, let's just say they're glistening. They, they, I don't know if they were just in the pool or they just were, you know, just kind of lotioned up or whatever. But they were, and um, these are good looking guys. I got to say, they're like, wow, that, that's impressive, you know. And, um, and I'm getting, starting to get a little self-conscious. And so, as you can tell, and so Casey, he's always so inclusive, you know. And Casey's like, Steve, come on, man. Let's get in the pool. Let's take your shirt off. Grab a drink. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. I mean, what you got going on there ain't going on here, you know. I'm not going to do that. And uh, I was so, it felt so awkward to me. They weren't awkward. Was, I just felt so uncomfortable. <laughs> and I, I remember thinking later, I'm like, what, why do I care so much about what people think? And then I'm quickly reminded, we all do. And, uh, and there's no way we can solve this human, human dilemma in a couple minutes and this message. But what I do know is that we trust our bodies to do a lot of things for us. We trust them to do a lot of things for us, to make a living, to go on runs or to try to stay healthy. And if I, if I am ashamed of it or hate it, it's incongruent 
to trust something that you're ashamed of. And I realize that there's something here that in our culture is allowed of body shaming that actually keeps us from honoring what God has created. To see it as beautiful, as a temple, as something that is useful. Um, and, I, and, 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 that we don't, and that I don't have to be ashamed of it. And we certainly don't need to go the other extreme, right, and idolize it, or Casey's for that matter, but we, need, but we, but we shouldn't hate them either. Because hating our bodies produces shame and it creates this weird war inside of us. So where do we start? Well, I, I'm going to have you say something. I'm going to have you repeat after me a phrase. It's a simple phrase. It's not going to resolve everything. It's not that type of thing. But it is something I think we need to verbalize. That my body is part of who I am, but it is not all that I am. And so would you just say that out loud with me? My body is part of who I am, but it is not all that I am. It's an important part of who I am. But it isn't at the center. It doesn't get to call the shots. It doesn't get to tell me how I'm going to live my life. It's so important. I was speaking to, to our speaking team about this, uh, and, um, and we decided that every once in a while, every once in a while, to keep our body in proper alignment with everything, we need, we need to tell our body, just every once in a while, no. No. Now, I know you want that, but no. No. We're not gonna, well, no. You don't get your way every day, body. You don't get it. Um, I was, as we were talking about this, uh, one of the speaking team members, she, she said that uh, she'll just do um, no shop month every once in a while, uh, intentionally to let the body know it's not in charge. So yeah, she'll sh still shop for groceries for her family, but, um, but she doesn't shop on Amazon. She doesn't look for new outfits. It's just reminding, it's one way that she reminds her body, you're not in charge. You know, this is one of the reasons why fasting is such a spiritual exercise. And how many of you hate fasting? Go ahead. Everyone can raise their hand. It's okay. I, it's hard. And, I, and I, when I fasted, I, and I'm not even a food person. I, I just eat food to like live. I don't, I don't enjoy it all that much. I don't like, if somebody asks me what's your favorite food, I'm like, I don't know. The one that gets me to the next meal, I guess. I don't know. I it's so sad, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Evan loves food. I mean, just loves it. But I'm not, I'm not really a food person, but so, so you would think fasting would be easy for me. But I tell you what, when I start to fast, and I don't fast very often, but when I do, it's like my body is just like, uh, excuse me, um, we had an agreement that you're just going to eat whenever I'm hungry. And you're not enjoying it, and I'm fine with that. But, but you're not eating right now? I'm hungry. And so all of a sudden, when I'm fasting, you guys, everything looks good. I, I, will be, I, I, can't, I can't walk through town and go like, oh my gosh, when I'm fasting, because I just like, I want to eat everything. I'm not like that in general, but my body is like, it wants to be in charge. And it reminds me how central my body has become when I try to take something 
away from it. So every once in a while, we just need to tell it no. My theory is, is that if we tell it no enough and often enough, that it'll start getting used to it. It's a theory because I haven't tried it. <laughs> I've got to be honest with you. I just have it. It's a theory, and I think, I, think, I think we should go for it. I think we should just start telling it no. And eventually, I believe that what will, what will happen, a byproduct of not idolizing our body is, by, is that we will end up worrying less about what happens to it. I think we'll stop, li- we'll stop living in fear that we don't measure up. So set apart your body for God. Do not idolize your body. And here's the third practice, and I'm way over time. Let's, get, let's nail, nail this one quick. Care for, care for and honor your body. Health is one of the greatest gifts um, that we can not only give our children, but it also strengthens our spiritual growth. Nourish it. Exercise it. Rest it. There's not, it's not like, it's, it's like Paul, what's good for us, what's helpful for us. And a multitude of studies show how, how um, important the right amount of sleep is uh, to our entire lives, right? Um, without rest, what happens is the body moves to the center. When we're tired, we, it, it, it increases our potential of anxiety, and it moves to the center. Um, weariness makes our bodies vulnerable. Um, to immediate gratification, to, to not being able to say the no's. Um, and, and, and I get it, right? Very few, very few of us want to go to the gym and work out because there's a bunch of people that look like Casey there. I'm sorry to bring up Casey again, but she's like, oh, I don't want to go there. Um, but it, the reality is, is when we work hard, whether it's at the gym or just in work, we rest well. When we work hard, we rest well. When I rest well, I'm more present. Um, to myself, to others, um, and I'm more focused, I'm more disciplined. And I don't do it to look a certain way, obviously. Um, but staying healthy honors the other parts of my life that I deeply care about. And so um, care for and honor your body. And one of the best ways, I think, to care for and honor our body is by listening to it. Listen physically to your body. What is it telling you? This was something that my therapist actually helped me to understand is that God created our bodies to communicate. And so um, I'll, um, everybody experiences tension in a different place in their bodies. For me, it's right here in, in my core. And, and when something, when and I'll start to feel anxious or stress, it's right here. This is where I start to feel it. And, and rather than just avoiding it, ignoring it, um, I respond to it. I, I begin to not just listen to my body, but I begin to talk to my body. Like, okay, what's going on? Why, why am I feeling this way? What's happening? I'll, I'll, I'll talk to a couple trusted people. Like, this is what I'm sensing. This is what I'm feeling, you know? And I don't just avoid. I used to avoid what my body said to me. It's not healthy. It's not good for us, right? To care for and honor our bodies means we pay attention to it. Um, we listen to it. And then occasionally we need to talk to it. Every once in a while, you need to tell your body, Chill out. Don't be so, don't get so riled up. It's going to be okay. Take a deep breath because we're in charge. My body isn't, my body's not running the show. Oh, it feels like it a lot, but it's not. I wanna, but I, but I want to care for it and I want to honor it. Well, the way I want to end today is by um, 
doing a responsive meditative reading of one of the Psalms that is probably one of the most meaningful Psalms to me growing up uh, in the church because it helped communicate what God actually thought about me. What he actually thought, not just about my soul, but also about my body. And it really informed me, and still to this day, it informs me about how um, I view my body, how God views my body, and how he sees it kind of interacting with everything. And so would you stand with me? And we're going to read this together. It's a long section of Psalm 139. Um, but it is, I believe, as we read it together, I don't want you to read it to me. I don't want you to, you know, project your voice. I want you to read it out loud, but I want you just to do it in the quietness of this moment between you and God. This is a moment where you're, where you're allowing um, what King David expressed about how he saw God, how he viewed God through the lens of his body, how God viewed his body to be expressed in your life. And so let's read this together as we finish today. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Jesus our lives are in your hands, but more specifically, our bodies are in your hands. We recommit our bodies to your care. Lord, we offer them as a sacrifice of praise to you. We pray, Lord, that you would help us by your spirit to keep day by day realigning how important our bodies are and how unimportant they are. Help us to find that place, Jesus, where there's a balance in, in your spirit working with our spirit to work through our bodies. Jesus, help our bodies to not get in the way of spiritual growth, but to complement it, to strengthen it. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your word. It is life to us. Keep changing our hearts to be more and more like you, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.